Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. And, uh, I was talking to Jonah this morning, and he said uh, he understood that everyone understands why you have to get away. You have to re-find the joy of the game. But he also wants to know, uh, I guess they want to know, the, do you understand why they had to stay? Yeah. Um, yeah, leaving was more of a, we all, all the people that left had to leave uh, for everything to change. And, uh, I mean, we didn't expect anyone to follow us. It was more of a, hopefully uh, they make a coaching change and everyone that stays uh, finds the love of the game again. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, hopefully that worked for uh, the people that stayed. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, that was earlier today. Steven Sai from the Honolulu Star Advertiser asked the question, the answer came from Shevin Cordero, uh, now San Jose State quarterback, who will, uh, in his senior year, uh, make his one and only appearance at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex as an opposing player. And Hunter Hughes, I had we were we were listening to that, and I'll be honest, I was um, I was a little taken aback. I, I don't I may be wrong, but I think it was the first time I had heard him directly reference. Um, him leaving and mentioning coaching change, going back to, of course, the the debacle that happened uh, that led to the uh, the moving on from Todd Graham. I don't have have you heard differently? I mean, have you heard it before on on the record? Because that was the first I heard it. Yeah, I again that that goes all the way back almost to COVID, right? Um, it, it was certainly more of an obvious an obvious thing that was felt rather than something I heard him say. Mm -hmm. We all knew why everyone left. Right. And from teammates of mine that were still on the team, hearing how things were in the locker room and to be a part of that team under the Graham uh, era, I knew how bad it was. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't recall hearing something specifically from, from Shevin, you know, on the record, but I think it was safe to say everyone knew where him and the rest of the guys that transferred, where they, where they stood. And, you know, this isn't necessarily to, to go back and litigate several years ago. Um, obviously this is a little fresh given, uh, what we're going to see on Saturday and, you know, in, I'm going back to Steven's question because it sounds like, the way that question was was referenced, it was a player on the team, and he didn't. He just mentioned the first name of the player. It was a player on the team, almost asking Stephen to ask Shevin the question of, "Do you know? Do you understand why there are some players who stayed?" And I, that took me back as um, as as much as mentioning the coaching change took me aback because. That almost signaled to me that for some people, this is maybe still a little fresh. If that question has to be asked through a third party um, to try to have everybody kind of on the same page of how everybody had to think and feel and make decisions for themselves. So this is a tough situation any way that you look at it. Um, and I would actually argue that where Hawaii stands right now is actually connected to what happened a couple of years ago. Correct. So this is our second season where we're staring two wins, three wins right in the face. And 
you go back throughout the history of great Hawaii football years, they're they're always connected with a great group of seniors that you've built around for their entire career at University of Hawaii. Four years, five years, some of them, if they had an injury, six years seniors that you can build off of their maturity. And if you consider who we would have had on the roster this season had those guys not left. I mean, we're talking about preseason Mountain West Offensive Players of the Year, um, starting middle linebacker for UCLA, um, an absolute game changer on the D-line for OU right right now in Lualu. Um, Nick Mardner uh, catching passes over in Cincinnati and killing it over there. Day-Day Hunter was a menace for us. That went to Liberty. Oh, my goodness. Uh, And that's only five names right there. If I really got into it, I could could grab more for you. Take the whole segment. I bring that up because it matters, mm-hmm. and th- you. I, I try to be extremely careful in talking about the transfer portal because we're dealing with students here. We're dealing yeah. with, with college-age kids. You never know what goes into the decision-making process, and we all know at the end of the day, the Graham era was not a good fit for Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And when you consider the the livelihood and the experiences of the student-athletes within that program, some of them had to make decisions. Some of them had to make decisions on what's going to be best, one, for my mental health, two, for my love of the game of football, and then three, for my football career. It kind of goes in that order, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it's it's just one of those deals where I'm – I I hate to say this, but I'm sure some relationships, you know, were were squandered a little bit or or splintered. Maybe that's a better word. There Maybe not completely um, separated, but um, it, it, they're they're going to have to. When you have teammates leaving and other teammates staying, you can't help but in the back of your mind go, "Yeah, you left us, man." So I don't personally feel that way, but I've been around enough. Um, Wolf pack, like, uh, yeah, you, you know, ta- a type A personality athletes in my life to right. say, if you're not for me, you're against me. Um, and things can kind of evolve from there. Um, and we knew that this game was, in a sense, going to be circled for the emotional context that it would bring. And it's already starting to kind of stir in that direction. I am very, very interested to see how the Hawaii faithful receive or reject Shevin this Saturday. It's it's kind of like opening a wound. Yeah. And you said it best, I think, when we kind of opened this in reminding everybody that a lot of that is reflective of where this program is currently. Big time. No, and, and, and by the way, no, it is not, you know, making excuses for, nope. you know, the amount of wins or anything like that. But it's that. part I, of the story. It, it, it's a large part of the story. Um, and, and I think, you know, it is the story this week. Um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people would much prefer to, to have the story of this week be, you know, a shared story of Hawaii trying you know going for bowl eligibility and Hawaii you know trying to you know try to move up in the standings in the Mountain West Conference sharing that story along with you know Chevin Cordero and his situation frankly 
Um, you know, given the results of, of the previous few games, I think it has pushed the story of this week one way, uh, and that is Shevin Cordero uh, coming back. I will say the other thing uh, before we kind of move this in a different direction because I don't want to leave out your point, which mm-hmm. I think was was a great point. Um, hearing Shevin say that there at the front also showed me that he is at his most inner peace with this. Mm. Like he talked about, and you didn't hear it in this bite. This is um, it was like a 14 minute Q and a with the media earlier today. And he was talking about how he's grown. He's grown up, um, you know, little things like, Hey, I'm doing laundry because uh, <laughs> you know, at home I was with my parents. I didn't have to didn't worry about that. Yeah. Learning how to cook. Uh, Cause again, I didn't have to do that when I was at home. He talked about going through a, an internship program over the summer um, in, in San Diego, you know, he's talking about independence and, and all of those things. Spreading and, your wings a little bit. Along those lines, yeah. yeah. And you, you kind of heard and felt, um, you know, someone who is maybe the most comfortable that he has been since making that decision. And I, I admire him for that. Um, I admire him for being able to be as as nervous as he sounded sometimes, which I think is just him. Yeah. Um, he is not, I think, the greatest public speaker, and that's okay. That's fine because, you know, you're uh, you're not expected to be. Yep. But I, I He's felt- soft-spoken. He to, is. As a person and a very gentle kid. Yes. Um, and let's not forget, we've put him – in some very tough situations throughout his career here at University of Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, counted on him to come in for relief in some tough, tough games as a true freshman. Wyoming, remember he, that? He, absolutely, and he killed it for us. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't mean to to uh, interrupt you. No, earlier, you're perfect. But, um, you're you're I, good. I felt listening to him. You know, I was just reminded of my personal memories with Shevin, the amount of times that I've thrown with him. Uh, training with him and, ironically, Jonah Kahavai Welch at um, Tactical Fitness as they were incoming freshmen, and I was it was in my senior year. And so I had interaction with those guys before they were even on our team, um, just talking about what they were excited about coming and being a part of our, our university, and they, they care deeply about this place. And he's a good kid, and that was a really tough couple of years Throw in their COVID too, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, coaching regime this, coaching regime that. COVID was a tough time to do anything, let alone college sports. Yeah. Um, and hearing what you just mentioned about him growing in his, his independence and kind of growing up and maturing, some of that is good yes. for for kids from Hawaii. It's good for it was good for me, man. I didn't f- grow up until I came to Hawaii, long way from Chicago, long way. And you find out what you're truly made of whenever that stuff happens in your life. Yeah. Um let's continue this as uh, Paul's dialing in here at 808-296-1420. Hi Paul. Hi. Hi guys. How are you so, doing? Good. Welcome welcome back Liz from vacation. You know, uh <laughs> She's been back for She's over back a week. For a little while. Oh, oh no! But thank you, Paul. No, it's still kind. Thank you. No, no one's properly welcomed her back. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Todd Graham situation. Okay, you know, in terms of guys leaving, with regard to the Todd Graham situation, you know, it was a self fulfilling prophecy. It, it was a 
uh, perfect storm, okay? The portal talk, the strange anti-coach feeling toward Coach Graham. So what's going to happen? You know, a lot will leave. It's, it's a, it's, it was allowed. And, and Graham brought the team to bowls up to that point. No matter, sometimes, no matter how you work, when you get a kind of reward like that, rewards, it's great, okay? I mean, look at the alternative, which is now. So if he's so hated, what should we think about the guys who stayed? I think they were brave enough to stay. I, I think they believed in hope. Okay, they thought of the next coach. And I don't know. I think it's going to be a mixed bag when Cordero comes back. Uh, the, the, probably they're going to have tears and jeers. You know, this guy was this is a guy who immediately texted Coach Graham when, when Todd was selected. You know, I'll you say, know. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, no, no. I just said, you know. Okay. All right. Um, that, that really left that on a great note. Thank you, Paul. Um, okay. First off, it, can, it, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive about you know, guys being brave to stay. Yep. But and, I think it can also be brave to leave. Sure. And it's, it's, it's dangerous and I, it's tempting, but I, I still would stand with the word dangerous to say who was right and who was wrong. Mm-hmm. Because that, that is completely subjective to whoever you have in front of you. And, and their situations. Absolutely. Everybody had like, deal, you, dealt with it differently. You have no idea what's going on on the home front for some of these guys and the inability to go someplace else. And, hey, Day uh, Day Hunter, for instance, he's in the transfer portal without a team this year. Right. So the grass is not always greener. You roll the dice whenever you go in there. Yeah. And, and Day Day Hunter had his own situation, if you recall, at Liberty, where he had – um, if I recall correctly, I think it was him when he was in his apartment and he was, you know, approached by officers for no reason. Mm. Uh, this is while he was hurt. Um, and he entered the portal and I think he ultimately went back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I want to hit the other thing Paul said is, you know, mentioning Todd Graham taking the team to bowl games here. I, I believe in winning like a lot of people do. But I also believe in winning the right way. And, um, you know, I, you, if you're winning and yet, you know, the players feel like they're being treated like garbage, mm. um, the winning becomes less important to me. And the community's not seen or um, yeah. accepted. Yeah. You know, feel like they, have, they can uh, approach the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that, that was definitely not felt. Right. Um, and, and part of that is COVID. I will I will give that you know that benefit but again like you know I I, I will oh I know I will I will credit wins but I will also I will also stand on the side of players if multiple of them are feeling and and taking in the same things hmm. that I don't care if you win 10 games if the culture in your locker room is so bad, the 10 wins mean little to me because you have to talk about program development. You have to talk about recruiting. You have to talk about um, you know players who go there, and these coaches are supposed to be father figures to them yeah. in a degree because that's what they promise in, in many instances. And so it – 
I, I tend to put wins in a cubbyhole sometimes when we look at bigger picture. Wins doesn't always equal bigger picture. And I, almost, and, I, and I remind people of that, not just because we talk about Todd Graham, but I remind people of that, of the current situation of this Hawaii football team and the amount of wins it has, because that doesn't always equal bigger picture. But we got plenty of time on that. I see Ernesto on the phone. Stay right there. We'll come to you after this break. It is off the bench. Let's see if we can remember how to do a three-hour show. It's ESPN Honolulu. I still can't believe the Rolling Stones are putting out new music in 2023. This isn't too bad. It's not. I I heard this uh, for the first time in the car the other day. And uh, I'm gonna I need to check this out. This is the first time I'm hearing, I'm hearing it. Yeah, um, take it in. Uh, yeah, I, I just I could not believe it. And by the way, Mick Jagger, yeah, was uh, on Saturday Night Live on Saturday. Have his lips gotten bigger? I was not page. paying. I was not paying attention to his lips. Okay, I was paying attention to the comedy of Saturday Night Live. Nice. Uh, Ernesto has been hanging out very patiently. Thank you for calling in. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm always good every day. Uh, sending a shout out to my boy at Dial Electric by the Kennet, uh, my boy at Halikoa, and my girl at Makachilo. Ooh, shout out left and right. Your, yeah, because they always they're all listening and they always hear me on the radio. So, gotta send a shout out to them. But uh, I'm still gonna be booing Chevin. Chevin, I'm gonna be booing you. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. And to all the kids out there that are thinking about transferring. Just remember, you will not be the same superstar you were at your previous team. So think about it. That's not always true, my friend. That's not always true. Dylan Gabriel might be in the Heisman discussion this year. Well, well, okay, okay. That kind, I'm understanding, but I'm referring to more of uh, the guys that transferred from the university. uh, Well, Darius Muisau is the starting middle linebacker for UCLA right now. That's a a job well done. right, right. but I'm saying that to run away from something that could have been special. I don't think he ran away, man. But I'm saying that it, why run away from that? You know, address the situation and tell somebody about it. How about when he went up to Matlin and Matlin didn't do anything about it? I'm I'm just trying to offer a different uh, perspective. Multiple players went up and asked for help from the previous athletic director and he did nothing. Nothing. Oh, wow. You see, I didn't know that. That's right. So but th- there's a lot of stuff. Away, but, there's a lot of stuff that away. went down that we have to remember these are kids and they right, they, right, right, like right, they right. were not fought for. Can I can That's I tough. I'm gonna step in here. I, I yeah, got yeah, I go got ahead. twenty seconds. Explain to me why you're booing him. And and I'm not I'm not asking that as a judgment. Uh, because, I just wanna know is uh, just a I reason. Have, the reason is, is I'm booing him because he has a different jersey on. Okay, okay. and that's, and that's, that's fine. Totally yeah, fine. Yeah, 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 that's a fair enough. I'm not yep. booing them. I'm not hating on them, I promise. No hating on them. I'm just saying that if they were to stay, and stupid Matlin kind of let them get away, but if they were to stay, we'd be in a whole different conversation right now. We would be talking about how crap the team is. You know, it would have been a lot better today. But... You know, that's just my opinion, and I'm not trying to dog on anybody. I'm not hating. Well, and that's and that's I'm why I asked the question. And, and, and Ernesto, thank yeah, you for yeah, the call yeah, yeah. because you know it's one thing to to boo because he plays for the opposing team. That's totally fine. fine. If you're booing because you're making it personal, 
um, then, then that's a little bit different. Josh Appel is going to join us. He's with the Sports USA. He's calling uh, Falcons Titans on Sunday. We'll get into the NFL with him. That's coming up after Sports Center on ESPN Honolulu. All right, Josh Pell coming up in uh, just a little bit. He's calling uh, Falcons Titans. You'll hear it right here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll get into some general NFL with him as well. I do want to get uh, one text in via our Zephyr Insurance text line. And I promise we're not going to spend the whole show on you know the Chevin Cordero return. We'll do our Mountain West power rankings coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, but text her for the 233. Just curious. Do you think the questions about asking Shevin or even Brent Brennan about how they feel about Shevin playing Hawaii or first time coming back to play in Hawaii is getting a bit overdone? I listened to the interview the animals did with Coach Brennan and couldn't help but feel he sounded especially unenthused when that question came up. Um, Too bad. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. It's a huge deal to us. And I think it's a huge it, – it's kind of a huge deal to Shevin. They just won't say it. I will say right. You know, Coach Brennan knew it. Yep. He he knew he knew the question was going to come up, and coaches have the option to decline interviews. Most coaches, and and I credit our own Gary Dickman because he reaches out every week, goes to every school looking to interview every coach, and the majority of our an uh, hour, the majority of coaches don't do the interviews. They decline them or. They're just not very nice, and they don't respond. Sure. And I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about those in the sports information departments. Um, there are a few that have been kind enough to do the interviews. Brady Hoke is one from San Diego State, and Brent Brennan rarely ever says no. And you know the interviews are coming, and you know what's going to come up. He knows it. We, we talked about it with him at Mountain West Media Day in July. Um, he knew it. Yep. We talked to Shevin about it back yep. in July. Like, how do you feel knowing that it's homecoming? You know? So you know it's coming. And, you know, another credit to San Jose State, they were overly communicative to let us know, hey, we're making Shevin available to the media via Zoom. That's right. Um, Had to. Yeah. So it's, it's not like, oh, is it overboard? No. Or they were completely avoiding it. No, not at all. That's right. Not at all. And that's one thing I like about Brent Brennan is um, he, he's, he's kind of an open book. It's been a tough year for San Jose State, but he's done a very nice job. And, um, you know, he, he won't run away from some of that stuff. And that's why I got a lot of respect for him as a head coach uh, because he, he's, not, he's not a guy who ducks away from stuff. Remind me to, remind me to uh, bring up my point on this in the, uh, the fourth segment because okay. I, I want to I tie this up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh Appel joining us now. Uh, he covers the NFL. In fact, he's calling uh, Falcons and Titans uh, coming up on Sunday, uh, courtesy of Sports USA. You'll hear it right here on ESPN Honolulu coverage beginning at 6.30 a.m. Hawaii time. Um, we'll kind of go briefly into this one, and we'll get into some other uh, NFL stuff. But, you know, the Titans are in the news this week for a couple of things. One the quarterback situation, and I, I know Mike Rabel had kind of brought up here and there the idea of a two-quarterback system if if uh, Ryan Tannehill can't play. I don't remember the last time this has been talked about in the National Football League, but it was uh, it was a little weird to hear that earlier today, wasn't it? 
Yeah, certainly I agree, and uh, thanks for having me. Good to be with you guys. Um, I'm very curious to see how he handles that situation. I don't think that's really beneficial to a rookie quarterback that you're trying to work into a game for the first time, especially going up against a defense that's playing as well as Atlanta's has uh, through through the first seven games. (laughs) You're right. You don't hear it a lot in the NFL. You see it a lot in college, especially early on in seasons, but this you know, what are they going to be? This is their seventh game coming off a bye, playing two quarterbacks. And Malik Willis has struggled when he's been in there too. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this plays out uh, for Vrabel and the Titans. And if, uh, I, I, it's, a, it's an offense that's really struggled to begin with. And, of course, the rookie that, that Josh is talking about is Will Levis, the uh, second-round pick from uh, from Kentucky. It's, it's just strange. I, I think the other – um, you know, the other thing that has brought Tennessee into the conversation was the trade that was made earlier in the week. Kevin Byard going to the Philadelphia Eagles. He wrote a, a really great message to, um, you know, to Tennessee fans thanking them. But what, what does that say about where Tennessee is in general? Maybe the two quarterback system is, is a part of this answer. But two and four, you make that trade to send one of your best defensive uh, defensive backs off to Philadelphia. The Eagles just get richer. What does that say about the state of that that team right now and maybe where it is seeing itself as we, uh, we near the midway point of the year? To me, it seems like they've accepted the reality that this is going to be a rebuild here. Rand Carthon is their first-year general manager. Ryan Tannehill's 35 years old, second straight season. He's dealing with an ankle injury. He's in the final year of his contract. Derrick Henry's 29 years old. He's in the final year of his contract. To me, I wouldn't be surprised if they make more moves here. I wouldn't be surprised to see Henry or Hopkins, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, get dealt here before the trade deadline. I think that Tennessee is just going all in on this reset, and I guess maybe they just want to see, as it pertains to this two-quarterback system they're going to try, just what they have in their 33rd overall pick, Will Levis, from this past year. And, of course, Malik Willis, their second-round pick uh, from a – sorry, third-round pick from a season ago. It's super interesting. I mean, this team was in the AFC Championship game just a few years ago, and that just kind of shows you how small the window is in the NFL. You know, you get there at that one point, and you want to make sure that you take advantage of it. Um, unfortunately for the Titans, it seems like their window's closed. I mean, Traylon Burks, the guy that – they drafted after trading A.J. Brown, which is a trade that gets talked about a lot around Nashville, around this organization, kind of how that basically kind of started their downfall. But you know, Traylon Burks, he's missed the last three games. And even when he's been healthy, he hasn't had nearly the same production as what you've seen on A.J. Brown in Philadelphia. Um, I'm not surprised about the Bayard trade. Uh, Mike Vrabel, of course, spoke super highly of him uh, over the last couple of days when asked about it. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, a little inconsistent, the, the safety they brought back, but a, a solid player. But big picture, this just feels like they recognize the situation they're in, and they're going to see what they have in the young guys on the roster. We're talking with Josh Chappell. He and St- uh, Stephen Goskowski will have uh, Falcons-Titans coming up on Sunday. You'll hear that here on ESPN Honolulu coverage beginning at 6.30 a.m. Josh is with us here on ESPN Honolulu, Hunter. Josh, we're kind of in that um... – point of the NFL season where we're starting to see a separation between who are the haves and who are the have nots. And one of those teams that is kind of interesting and has some 
uh, significance here in Hawaii for obvious reasons is the Miami Dolphins. Would you put them in that upper caliber of teams still or with the loss this last week to the Eagles, do you see them maybe a tier below that upper echelon? I'm so glad you asked me about the Dolphins. I actually live down in Miami, so it's been a big topic of conversation uh, down here, no doubt. I think it's really hard to take any big-picture takeaways from their Sunday night loss against the Eagles. I think you could say that you know, the front seven of their defense probably had the best game that they've had this year. They're so banged up in the secondary. You know, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. Ramsey is supposed to make his debut this Sunday uh, for the Dolphins. I, I, All that being said all the qualifiers, all the context, I think until they beat one of these contending teams, I'm not sure you can have them in that elite tier. But I would say that they're not far off. I don't think the gap is that wide. I mean, you consider the Sunday night game, all the guys they were shorthanded, three on the offensive line. We mentioned the defensive injuries, but they were driving in the fourth quarter down by a touchdown inside the 25 mm. Uh before the turnover. I mean, they were still in that game. I thought, like I said, I thought the front seven played very well. It seems like the defense is starting to get a little bit more comfortable in Vic Fangio's uh, scheme. And like I said, they're going to get reinforcements in the secondary starting this week. I, I feel like they're somewhat in, in, you know, between a rock and a hard place because you know, the narrative around them is that they can't go on the road and beat a good team. It happened in Buffalo. That was a, a, a horrendous performance by them, but I thought they really showed themselves better on Sunday night, but they go to Germany to play Kansas City, and if they beat Kansas City, yeah, it's a good win, but it didn't happen in Arrowhead. And if they lose that game, oh, then they still can't beat the good team. Mm. I think Mike McDaniel had a, had a great uh, response about this earlier this week and just saying, you know, look, if we had won, they'd probably start to crown us. If we lost, now they're calling us fraud. Like, I, I, they understand the narrative, and they block it out the best they can because in the big picture, they're 5-2, and two, and in first place in the AFC East after seven games, anyway, you're slightly. Josh Appel joining us. Uh, he and Steven Guskowski will have uh, Falcons and Titans coming up on Sunday, courtesy of Sports USA. He's with us here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, I want to lastly go to the San Francisco 49ers, who have lost a couple of, in a row now. We learned today that Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol, started to feel symptoms on the flight back from Minnesota, and we could see Sam Darnold as the starter on Sunday when the uh, – when the Niners take on Cincinnati, but it's interesting with, with these two losses, it seems like there are people now kind of talking about Purdy a little bit and whether with, with all of everything around him and you start to see the injuries McCaffrey did play, um, you know, but Debo has been hurt that maybe it's exposing Purdy just a tad, whether he is the guy that can take them to the Super Bowl or would a guy like Kirk cousins, um, you know, have been a better fit. How do you kind of view that given, again, injuries and um, and his struggles? And now here in the concussion protocol part, does that change, you know, some of how we look at him? So before these two games, these are his first two losses as a starter. He wasn't going to stay undefeated his entire career. And he was playing at such a high level that, you know, it was probably going to come back down a little bit at some point. I think we're seeing a bit of that. Um, it's funny how quickly things change in the NFL because we just talked about well, who's in that elite tier. And two weeks ago, we probably would have all said the Dolphins and the 49ers, the Chiefs and the Eagles, those yeah. top four. And now it's probably just the Chiefs and the Eagles right now with San Francisco, Miami, and now Baltimore uh, kind of in that third, uh, that second tier. I think it put Detroit a little bit below those two teams. It, it's amazing, though, how quickly things change in the league. 
I, I'm not all that concerned with Brock Purdy. I think he's proven uh, that he's more than capable of leading that offense. It's still a really good defense. Um, injuries are a part of the sport, no doubt. But much like the Dolphins, let the Niners get healthy, and I think they'll be fine in the long run. I'm really curious, though, to see Sam Darnold in this offense. I'm, it's the best situation he's been in in his entire career as far as coaching, as far as scheme, as far as talent around him. I'm very intrigued to see how that looks. Could you argue that the one thing that could potentially hold back the 49ers would be their quarterback and if they can manage that offense or not? No doubt. I mean, look, I you'd probably say of the elite class of teams or teams that are bordering on that, he's probably the last quarterback you'd take of that you know five or six-team group. It certainly could come down to it in the playoffs. How many times do you see these close games Late, crunch time, need a game-winning drive, need a game-tying drive. Is he that guy? We haven't seen it yet. And until he proves it, there's going to be that question mark of whether he can be. I think that he is more than capable, but again, that's just what I think. We have to actually see it in practice and in games, obviously. Josh Appel, uh, listen to the Falcons and the Titans uh, this Sunday, courtesy of our uh, our great partners at Sports USA. Coverage at six thirty in the morning. Josh, appreciate you coming on with us. It's been a while. Uh, have a good call on Sunday. Appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure. Happy to do it anytime. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, that's Josh Appel. Uh, really fun play-by-play guy to listen to, and uh, you'll hear him on Sunday. He joins us here on uh, ESPN Honolulu. By the way, I didn't mean to make it feel like the uh, Atlanta Falcons were like not interesting because we didn't ask anything about them. We asked a couple questions about the Titans. Falcons, nada. But he did say they have a really good defense. We should have asked if he's tried uh, Bijan Mustard. Oh, from uh, uh, Bijan Mustardson. That's right. Yeah. There is, in fact, he is kind of newsworthy. Didn't they have a question about whether they, uh, you know, they were supposed to have reported an injury with him? Oh, the NFL is okay. kind of asking, you know, going into that. Interesting. I didn't uh, know about that. The NFL is very, very big on that, especially with uh, with fantasy and 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 mm-hmm. betting. You know, they are very strict about uh, whether uh, teams are fraudulent with their injury reports and uh, and how honest they are. And so it did come come up with uh, with Bijan. I did not try Bijan Mustardson. I did ask for one on social media and never got a bottle of Bijan Mustardson. I would love one. Me too. Bijan, if you're listening, he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's you totally don't know not. that. No, I I, I know that. <laughs> he might just be on ESPNHonolulu.com and as, streaming. As confident as I would love to be that somebody <laughs> as noteworthy as Bijan uh, Robinson is listening to this radio station, I know he's not. I, I can I can live with that. Uh, your texts and your calls at 808-296-1420. We'll go to the text line here in a moment. Our Mountain West Power Rankings coming up at the top of the hour. It is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, Sports Center coming up at the top of the hour. I think our first look at traffic is on the way in about uh, 11 minutes as well. Uh, let's tie up the Chevin Cordero conversation we had earlier, Hunter. I know we had some uh, some good calls on it, a few texts as well. Uh, tie this one up for us. Yeah, so to us here in Hawaii, it certainly is the story, and deservedly so. It's been one of the things on my mind heading into this season was, man, what is homecoming going to look like? Where is Hawaii going to be? 
schedule-wise? Where are we going to be record-wise? Where are they going to be? We, we talked about it as having bowl implications for maybe both teams, mm-hmm. and we were hoping for a really competitive environment. Right. Uh, perfectly, it's still going to be a competitive environment, but in that same vein of things, I think it's good to keep in mind – um, and this thought came up whenever you were saying, you know, Brent Brennan was maybe less than enthused in responding to w- what's it been like for yeah. Shevin, you know, coming back or whatever. At the end of the day, they got on the plane to come and win a football game. Um, they have found, I don't know if you can call it a hot streak, but they've won two straight games and are certainly trending in the right direction mm-hmm. right now. Um with five games remaining on their schedule, bowl eligibility is certainly still realistically in um, in the doable uh, category for them. I, I, I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah. So um, I bring that up because that is what they are focused on. I really appreciate Shevin saying, yeah, this is significant to, to me, but this game isn't about me. It's, it's about the team. And he said that several times. He did because – Football is maybe the the truest team sport out there that you cannot go out there and do it alone. You, you require uh, the involvement of everybody around you helping and aiding you to do anything successful. So um, I really appreciate his humble heart, and let's not forget that at the end of the day, it's a game. Shevin's always been, you know, a uh, he's always been a team guy. Yep, and so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You make a good point with with, with San Jose State. Um, and, and I, I do appreciate, you know, their kind of, you know, openness with the Hawaii media and kind of, you know, allowing this to be a part of the conversation. Um, yes, they have played a lot better. Granted, I think their schedule has been a little bit easier, but their schedule at the start of the year was probably the toughest schedule that any Mountain West team had to play. Maybe one of the tougher mid-major schools. Yeah. Other than if you played... Uh, uh, if you played Georgia and Alabama on consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were people saying, well, San Jose State's not a good team. San Jose State's not a good team. Like, do you, do you see that they played USC? Did you see, um, you know, did you see, well, no, they didn't play USC. No, they did play yeah, they USC. Did, they did they USC did. and then a then ranked Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this will be something I think we get into a little bit later on because I've been kind of holding on to this the longer we haven't had full shows, like unlike yesterday doing a show that was literally less than a minute long. Um, but we'll talk about this later, that I think there are a lot of people that fairly don't really pay attention to the competition. Mm. They only care about their team, and I get it. But I also think when when there are struggles – not paying attention to the competition um, shows maybe how disconnected you might be from realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. And, and and we can get into that a little bit later on because I do think that was part of the New Mexico thing. Um, you know, I, I felt like I had been saying for a while, I'm a little worried about New Mexico. I think I said that to you before the season started. I was saying that going back to Mountain West Media Days. I'm yeah. a little worried about New Mexico. They have a real quarterback now. They have this. They have that. And, you know, New Mexico wins, and I'm, I'm sitting there saying, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, New Mexico's starting to recruit four-star talent, and they're, you know, they're bringing people in um, in their head coach's third year. Like, hey, they're making moves. Mm. So 
We'll, we'll talk about that more later on because I do think that that plays into where people talk about Hawaii and where maybe people miss the mark when talking about Hawaii. Uh, we'll do Mountain West Power Rankings coming up next. We're watching Wemby, so I apologize if we get distracted. We won't. We're professionals. Uh, but Wemby's playing. We got UH football tickets to give away. Sports Center in traffic is coming up next. Hey, coming up a little bit later on, uh, we got University of Hawaii football tickets to give away. That's coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Hunter Hughes and I, uh, this is the uh, the longest we have talked on a radio show in a long time. In fact, the last hour is longer than uh, about the last 10 days we've spoken on the radio. Combined. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Um, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's now and it's um, NBA playoff season. When uh, we we get kind of minimized with baseball's uh, postseason Thursday night football combined with that, and then when we get to uh, we get to April, May, and June, and the NBA starts to come into play, then uh, it, it's not vacations. Right? We're here. We're 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 doing our stuff. That's why we are um, we are the most dedicated. No offense, duo uh, at this radio station. Because we'll hang around here to do 60 seconds of radio. Yes, we will. Like yesterday. Like, yeah. And and by the way, you were here early yesterday. Like, you came in before 4 o'clock, like about an hour before call. To watch the uh, NLCS Game 7. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was uh, it was a good bonding moment for us mm-hmm. leading into uh, one minute of radio. Uh, John is calling in. I have a feeling where this is going. John, how are you today? Hey, we're uh, uh, not so surprised that the Arizona Diamondbacks made it to the World Series, uh, seeing as how uh, they single-handedly just about swept the Cubs like right out of the playoffs uh, in mm. September. I remember when I called you, like you know, right after they swept the Giants, and I was like all cocky and stuff on the radio. Well, then right after that, we started. Then we started uh, playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we. Six out of eight, and it wasn't even close. And I was kind of like, who are these guys? But it was like, uh, you know, I'm kind of rooting for Texas because they never won the World Series yet. But uh, uh, the Diamondbacks, to me, uh, play, and I've seen them a lot because I watched them a lot when I was had the chance to watch them against the Cubs. But uh, they're like playing the Cincinnati Reds with better pitching. <laughs> and, uh, wow. <laughs> That's you know, actually like a pretty like good. A that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, it's a bunch of young guys that can run. If you walk a guy, they're they're just gonna steal on you. And it's like, uh, um, I wouldn't be too surprised if they ended up uh, winning this thing. But I just kind of, I'm just kind of rooting for the Texas Rangers though, because I, I don't like the Astros, and they knocked them out of the playoffs for me, so I kind of owe them that. But uh, I I never forgave the Astros yet for the cheating scandal a few years ago, but. Uh, um, but no, the Diamondbacks, uh, uh, they are about the main reason that the Cubs didn't even make the playoffs this year. So it doesn't surprise me like where, uh, where they went. But, uh, anyway, that's all I got, but have a great day guys. Thank you, John. Appreciate you listening. I, I, I love it when someone takes ownership. Like, yeah, I was, I was pretty confident. And then there went the team. Right after, uh, right after announcing your confidence on live radio, 
I, I thought that was great. But um, he, he mentioned the Cincinnati Reds with better pitching. That made me – that reminded me. Whatever happened to the Cincinnati Reds? Weren't they, like, fantastic at the yeah. beginning of the year? Yeah. Ellie Dela Cruz was yeah. the best story in Major League Baseball. The Reds are winning games. We're talking about a potential division. And then – where's Eric Matthews to explain what happened to his team? Where is he? As, as Chris called him, I think. Uh, fun guy. Fun guy Eric Matthews. <laughs> What happened? Um, anyway, to, to stay on that, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get to Mountain West Power Rankings in a little while because I want to stay on the topic of, yeah. of where John brought us. Um, this is not the World Series that everybody predicted coming in. By the way, very happy Houston's not there. Uh, but, yes. you know, this is kind of it, you know, the story of the postseason, especially coming off the wild card round, really did lead us to this, did it not? I mean, the three of the four teams, actually, no, all four of the teams that had buys, um, you know, going into, actually, no, not, is it four? I forget it. Yeah, it's four. All, all four of the teams that had buys through the wild card round are not here. They didn't make it. Hmm. And the only one to get through with a buy to the CS was, uh, was, was Houston. And it is fitting with that storyline that Texas and Arizona plays for a World Series because it's almost like that's kind of what we were destined for. This was also a, an interesting playoff year where home field advantage wasn't necessarily an advantage. Mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, the ALCS featured no home wins. That's right. The entire series. Which is crazy. I don't know if if that's I've seen that before. I don't know either. I I, I feel like that's one of those for uh, ESPN's stats and information. That that's right for that that one weird company that they rarely talk about, and then they're like courtesy of blah 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 sports. Oh, Elias, Elias. Or stats that's Inc. it. That's it. Yeah. This is the uh, the first time that uh, the Utah Jazz have won by three on a Tuesday or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll just pull out a a random uh, sports uh, stat that no one really cares about. But th th this this one is interesting because I mean, in any playoff environment, you want the team, you want the the fans on your side. Yeah, and it it just was was interesting through these series that that actually didn't prove to be true. So uh, back to John's call. I feel like he just had a microphone to my heart because that that I could not have agreed anymore with everything that he had to say. Um, the Diamondbacks peaked at the right time. They have showed the most grit, I, I think, of certainly anybody in the NL. Um, I, I felt like the pendulum of uh, – Momentum was was securely on Philly's side, and they just tugged it back mm -hmm. and did not let it go again. Um, and then, yeah, kudos to the Rangers. Uh, I, I hope that they can get their first one done too. But at the end of the day, they took care of Houston, which that's all I really care about. You asked the question before we came on the air today. You know, should we care more about Rangers yeah. Diamondbacks? And uh, you know, I was joking with you. You know, Fox would would have loved to have Philadelphia uh, because that is maybe not a legacy team, but that's a, a pretty good baseball market. 
Um, whereas now you don't have the East Coast. You don't uh, – I mean, Arizona, I guess, kind of counts for the Pacific time zone. They're fringe West Coast. But you're basically like middle of the country World Series right now. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I kind of thought, all right, well, um, this is going to hurt, you know, national network ratings. And then I thought about it when I saw uh, ratings come out this morning for, um, you know, Major League Baseball in comparison to NBA's opening night in which uh, the Denver Nuggets brought out the ugliest championship rings I think I've ever seen. Um, and, and, and the Lakers and Steph and Durant, you know, star studded. And that was one of the lowest rated opening nights the NBA's had in quite some time. That was thanks to baseball. People wanted to watch the Diamondbacks and people wanted to watch the Phillies. And it made me think, oh, okay, well, maybe this isn't, um, going to be all that bad for, uh, for Fox and, and for those that, you know, want to watch and partake in this series because it is, you know, it's it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. The Diamondbacks are kind of fun. Texas has those those big, big bats, and people still dig the long ball, believe it or not. Um, I don't know. I don't I, – I feel like there are people that are willing to put down this series, but I kind of – in a weird way, it's it's a weird series to like, but I I do, and and I think this is a series that we'll talk about. I think in the next couple of years, as we watch the way the postseason progresses, it's certainly different. If you're a fan of obscure and rare matchups, this has to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll admit I don't know a whole lot of players on really either team. Other than uh, uh, Corey Seager, who yeah. used to play on the Dodgers, so and Scherzer came over from the Mets, and so th- there's a couple of guys over on that side. But uh, this Diamondbacks team, with exception to Evan Longoria, who's still looking for his first ring, That's which right. is a unique story. Um, a lot of these guys, I need to probably do a little bit more homework on and just uh, kind of enjoy what both teams. Uh, uh, have to offer it feels like whoever wants to go get it and whoever wants it more uh it's kind of a toss-up for me they were saying like a whole bunch of that roster is based on their uh their triple a affiliate i think it's the the reno aces which is which is insane you got a whole mm. bunch of minor league guys that have really kind of been called up and and been like major major players here but like get to know corbin carroll oh yeah uh, you, you won't regret it and get to know that bullpen um saul frank Fought. Fought. That's right. I know P- that one. PSA. You, you know that one because the spelling is um, is different. So so public service announcement for anybody who watches the TV or listens to the radio and and more so the TV because the radio will give you the pronunciation right away. If you're, if you're watching Fox and you see the letters P-F-A-A-D-T yeah. come up on your television, the correct pronunciation is fought. It's not fat. No, and he is not fat. That's right. It is fought. Um, He's fought, y'all. That's correct. That is correct. That's also very cheesy, and I don't know if I can get those few seconds back. Liz, <laughs> clip that for a future uh, for a future open, please. Um, I, I want the audience to remind us how how corny Hunter just got. That's right. Um, but. I will say we'll remember this series because I think this series is ultimately going to change the playoff structure again. Mm. I 
I wanted to kind of wait and feel it out and and let this structure go for a couple of years. And a reminder of the structure with two buys and um, you know three wild card teams is still like it's it's new. Um, you know, we added teams to the postseason because you know you wanted more money for TV. Everybody's doing it. Um, but I would I would I would say that this series is going to be the one that quickens the pace of deciding whether to change the format because I don't know that you can go a couple more years and watch the Dodgers bow out early and the Braves bow out early and the Astros bow out early and these really good 90 to 100 win teams um you know watch the regular season mean very little yeah I don't know how much baseball can stomach that and I don't know how much some of the teams can stomach that, whether you like the Astros or not, whether you like the Dodgers or not, um, you still want the teams that won their divisions in a sport that is so um, rhythm-based to not be placed out of rhythm for a week. And I think I, I think this series will, will push that narrative forward to the league. Hmm. Yeah, because you had some unique – um, unique situations like the Orioles, the Twins, uh, some guys that weren't normally around getting opportunities that mm-hmm. uh, are usually drowned out. Like I think mainly in the AL East with the Yankees and the Red Sox and then uh, even the Rays. The Rays were really good this year too. Right. So um, yeah, I don't know exactly what they would do, Josh, but – I'm I'm not opposed to continuing to look at baseball as how can we make some adjustments to make this more modern. Mm-hmm. We we've seen already the, uh, the the benefits and the the strides it's taken with with things like uh, the bases and uh, the 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 pitch clocks and um, the the rules on pitching changes and that sort of things. It's it's a good product. It is a good product. And that's why you have, I think, two different teams. Texas can hit the long ball in bunches. Um, I think their bullpen's a question mark. Arizona doesn't need to beat you with the long ball. They don't need to put up 10 runs in a game to beat you. Um, They can steal a bunch of bases. They can hit for contact. They'll find the gaps. They'll go down the line. Um, And their bullpen is just surprisingly fun. Mm. Uh, Saul Frank is, is one of the guys. And you look at the back end yesterday and how they just quieted Philadelphia. You have two contrasting styles, and Arizona is the style that represents the the new um, the, the the new pace of the league, and Texas still kind of represents what the league was prior to this. And I and I think it's actually kind of fun to see those uh, uh, those different styles kind of play here. Mister T via our text line, I pity. Is there Hawaii ties to this World Series? Yes, actually, Mike Fetters is a. Um, uh, Bullpen coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm. So if you're looking for uh, for for somebody to root for, uh, you've got Mike Fetters. That's kind of fun. So uh, World Series begins on Friday. Game one's over on our sister station, CBS 1500. Coverage begins at 1 p.m. Game two will also be on CBS 1500. That's right after the uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party with Georgia and Florida. And then uh, games three, four, five, uh, five potentially, six potentially right here 
on ESPN Honolulu, a potential game seven over on CBS 1500. We'll get uh, traffic here in a moment. Want to remind you to play Pigskin Picks. It's over at ESPNHonolulu.com. It is uh, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. Uh, Hunter's been doing well. I'm falling down the ladder. Um, we're not surprised one bit. Uh, so play along at ESPNHonolulu.com. Traffic here. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center's coming up in a little bit. We've also got another look at traffic just a, a, a couple of ticks away. You're listening to Off the Bench here on ESPN Honolulu. All right. Um, Mountain West Power Rankings. We're going to take this in two. And I don't think even this first part's gonna um, gonna last this entire segment because we got about like two minutes here. Um, we're gonna start bottom three, I think, for for obvious reasons, and and then we'll get to the top. But I want to preface the bottom three, and I think we'll end up getting fully to the bottom three in, in a bit. There are people that I think after watching Nevada and San Diego State, mm. that was um, that game set football back a few years. Uh, Nevada, San Diego State. Mm. That's right. You're like you're surprised. Wait, what do you, Sorry, what do you mean? I, I got Nevada and New Mexico <laughs> mixed up in my mind. Yeah, Nevada That's and correct. San Diego State um, made us wish for better days for for the sport. It was um, it it left a lot to be desired. It was a six nothing game, and um, you know I think just seeing Nevada beat San Diego State kind of just said to people, oh okay, um, you know and and. Look, the emotions for a lot of people that said, okay, well, Hawaii's the worst team in the Mountain West. And I saw that on social media, and I I didn't want to just fall into that emotional trap because it, it, it is one. And so um, on Monday, I put out on social media uh, on my X platform that I, I wanted to, to give people perspective. It's not just as simple as, oh, Hawaii has no wins. Hawaii's the lone winless team in conference play. It's not just as simple as that. It's not just as simple as, oh, Hawaii got uh, you know trounced by New Mexico. It's it's really not as simple as that. Yeah. There there's a lot more to this conversation. And um and I want to have that conversation coming up because I think um if people see how little actual um, you know, bias there is, and you kind of break it down. I think you'll understand. Uh, concussion, a uh, Hawaii concussion awareness management program reminds parents, coaches, and athletes to learn more about recognizing concussion symptoms. Visit hawaiiconcussion.com. Traffic here. Hey, we've still got University of Hawaii football tickets to uh, homecoming night on Saturday. We've got that sometime between now and six o'clock when we. Uh, leads you on to the Timmy Chang Show over at Ruby Tuesday at the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. Looking forward to hearing from Coach. Uh, that coming up. And uh, some good prizes that you can give away, too. Or you can, well, we're giving away. You could possibly have. There you go. You're not giving them away. That's right. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't do that kind of uh, you win, you give back thing. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, texter from the 233 via our Zephyr Insurance text line. Not going to lie. I'm surprised Brady Hoke still has a job after that game. That's that Nevada 6-0 win over San Diego State. There are people on social, and again, you take for what it is, there are people wanted Brady Hoke gone after the Hawaii game because it looked like San Diego State was going to lose that game. 
turns out they ultimately win. Hawaii's turnovers really did them in um, in in that game. Um, okay, let's let's as we do our Mountain West power rankings, I'm going to focus on the bottom three first, and then we'll we'll go to the top. So, I think it's pretty clear right now that Hawaii, San Diego State, Nevada at the bottom. Right? I don't I don't think you and I. I think you and I are in agreement on that. Yes. Okay. So before I tell you where I have each of the three teams, I went through four different criteria points to break this down. And I put this all on, on the X platform so people can see it. Um, You know, we'll, I'll, I'll bring it with you here for the first time to see kind of how you feel. So we go offense first. Um, Of the three teams, Hawaii has the best offense. Yes. I don't. Yeah, I. I don't. Not know even that. comparable. Yes, uh, I think I had San Jose State two, and I had um, Nevada three when it when it comes to offense. I, I, yeah, defense. Unfortunately, I have Hawaii as the worst defense of the three. Yep. I have San Diego State one, Nevada two. Would you argue any of that? Nope. I didn't ask you if you would argue any of the offense either. I mean. Hawaii gives up almost forty a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, criteria for having the worst defense in the conference. Unfortunately, yeah, yep. Special teams. I have Hawaii in the middle. I have San Diego State one, Hawaii two. And by the way, that's kind of close. Both have very good right. kickers. Browning for San Diego State, Shipley, two of the best kickers I think in the conference right there. Then I have Nevada at three. Arguments there? No. Okay, so we're on the same page. So the, my my fourth criteria is expectations. Meeting, exceeding, or falling under expectations. And this was preseason expectations? Yeah, okay. I, a lot of it is preseason, going by the preseason order of finish. I, I did use, for my perspective, uh, my own expectations uh, because I, I did want you know, from from my rankings, I did want to infuse kind of my own feelings about it. So let's go back and forth here. Let's start with Hawaii. Um, projection was that Hawaii would be second to last in the conference. Um, I think three and a half was the over under on win total coming in. I said with Hawaii, they're about where they were projected to be. I think at at this point in the year, I mean, non-conference schedule, they were pretty much where everybody expected them to be. Um, you get the win against U Albany, you get the win against New Mexico State. So they went two and three, as everybody had projected. The Mountain West schedule was not going to be easy, um, so they're about there. You could you could kind of go above or beyond, and I think you can kind of fit you know fidge with that a little bit. Fidge is not a word, yeah. But um, you know what I mean. Um, they're about there. I, I I don't know what what you would say on on expectations and where they land. So. It's. I think it's difficult to um, pick and decipher mm-hmm. between what maybe unbiased third parties expected of Hawaii and, and what, what you did, and yeah, what we expect from mm-hmm. Hawaii. the The hopes are always going to be high um, before a season, and to me, as a former player, I, I feel like bowl contention is close to a certain possibility every time we begin a season. Okay. So um, it feels to me more on the side of falling to okay. expectations. So under bit. expectations. Under, under expectations. Okay. Yep. Uh, Nevada, they were projected to be last. 
they've looked like the worst team in the conference, I'd say they're about where they were projected to be. That I think the expectations they've hit. Absolutely. San Diego State. Maybe the worst in the entire conference. Expectations-wise? or Yes. Yeah. I I have them as the biggest disappointment in the conference. Yeah. Um, well below is what I what I wrote here. Um, San Diego State was probably should have been a bowl team. They pro- I wouldn't say win the conference, but I at, at least at least a six win team. And I mean they could very well get there, but they clearly don't look like it. I've seen teams like Utah State out offensively. Uh, look a lot better. Colorado State offensively looks so much better. New Mexico looks so much better. Yeah. So I put all that in perspective. When I give you my top, th- my bottom three, um, you know, I I hope people kind of see that for for what it is. That at least for me. I can easily take the emotion out of it. I'll factor what my eyes tell me. I'll factor where these teams were supposed to be. And then I'll put it that way. So, on that note, I have Hawaii at 10. Um, I realize that Hawaii does not have a conference win. I get it. Yep. But, like, I I think we talked about. Um, Hawaii has the best offense. And I think that can carry the day sometimes take away turnovers yes take away defensive pressure i've watched nevada more than once i've watched san diego state more than once i've watched hawaii clearly more than once and teams that just pass the eye test for me hawaii looks to me like a more functional team. San Diego State looks like it just doesn't know what it what it is, and Nevada just looks like it has far less talent. And that's why when I see how these teams play and I watch how they fall under expectations or fall you know, where they are, I, I can put Hawaii at 10 because I believe Hawaii was better than San Diego State when they played a few weeks ago. Yep. Take away result. And I believe in seeing how bad both San Diego State and Nevada looked, that while I think Hawaii and Nevada would be a close game when they play in Reno, that I still think it's a game that I I, w- I would think Hawaii would be better than Nevada. I'm not going to call it a winnable game because none of those exist anymore. I'm gonna I'm just going to say I believe the eye test tells me Hawaii is better than Nevada. And that's why from that I have Hawaii... At 10, I have San Diego State at 11, and I have Nevada still as the worst team in the conference because I cannot credit anybody for winning six to nothing. I'm sorry. No. That's 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 like playing college football in the 60s. I'm not going to accept it. So my bottom three, Hawaii, San Diego State, Nevada. You? I mean, I'll show you the list right there. Hey, it's exactly we're, we're, the we're right there together. And I think you said it well with regards to turnovers. Mm-hmm. If you take away our turnovers, we probably beat San Diego State by three scores. Could very well be. Um, to me, that, that has been the story of this season. Along with not starting well in the first quarter, 
you can hang your hat on the fact that our defense is dead last in in causing turnovers in the FBS. If you can't do that, it's going to be very difficult to control the clock. It's going to be very difficult to uh, control possession and to get your defense rest because offense is not always going to go out there and score. Three and outs are an inevitability in in college football. So take that um, with a grain of salt. I think Hawaii is better than what we have performed this year. Mm -hmm. And we've showed it at various times. Two of our best games came with losses. One one against Vandy and then the other against San Diego State, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And with, with that being said, I feel like we've shown enough to argue that we're better than both of those teams, San Diego State and Nevada. Now, don't get any of us wrong here. Um, none of what I think is being said here would would amount to um, excuses. No. They are what they are. Um, you, I think, correctly pointed out defensively, struggle. Um, stopping the run, struggle. Um, slow starts. Slow starts, struggle. yes. Forcing turnovers, struggle. Um you know, these are things that can be better. These are things that are improvable. Um, I don't think they tell you, you know, I don't I don't want them to look as, as, as excuses. But I think, you know, looking at that and taking bigger picture, but also looking around you, I think is is uh, is really important. And I, I, I really believe while Hawaii may have slowed its growth, because I do believe San Diego State to New Mexico was was a fallback, San Diego State looked like a game where, hey, I see some good things. I see some things to build on. New Mexico, unfortunately, didn't give that same, that same vibe. But you know what? I don't feel like Hawaii's fallen down like San Diego State is where you've got this new venue in Snapdragon Stadium and you're struggling to get people in there because you have a product that is just so darn boring and is not attainable to winning games that, unfortunately, Brady Hoke has just gone, um, maybe has hit his peak. And, and, And all that excitement about the Aztecs program has gone away so quickly. And then Nevada, Ken Wilson's talking about, hey, um, you know, we, we're, we're going to do this comeback and, and, and we're going to build and it's going to be really strong. And then you win a game 6 nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean. No offense. No. No. And many times no defense. Like, put that perspective in front of you. They goose-egged San Diego State. Yes. That's crazy. Put that perspective in front of you. Take the emotion out of it, which I know is hard to say to a fan. It's hard to say to a fan, take the emotion out of things. But I challenge you. I almost beg you to a degree. Think of it from that way. And I think you'll see why I don't have Hawaii as the worst team, why I don't think things are as dire as the people make it out to be. Was New Mexico tough? Sure. I'm not going to let one game change my larger term, bigger picture of what I see in a program. That's right. And I'll I'll take Mr. T's text right here via our Zephyr Insurance text line. We got to give Timmy at least two to three more years, Mr. T says. 
stick with the run and shoot. Make that as good as the good old days where we make one team or where, we, where excuse me, where we make other teams one dimensional and then our defense will play pass and rush hard. That's courtesy of 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 Mr. T. Hmm. Only thing I, I go back on is make make that the run and shoot as good as the good old days. Let's not talk about the good old days anymore. We're 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 gone with the good old days. Make it as good as what it is now. Make it as good as what it can take to be better than current defenses because defenses have changed since June Jones's run and shoot. Mm-hmm. Defenses have started to change since Nick Rolovich's version of the run and shoot. This isn't, you know, defenses have evolved over time, folks. Like offenses have evolved over time. They do. And... um I don't think you can go back to the June Jones, Mouse Davis run and shoot and say, hey, that's our ticket to success. No. We've we've seen it. So has everybody else. Also, all of those teams had great defenses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always. Yep. It doesn't matter how many points we put on the board. We also helped stop teams. Yes. It was a total team effort. That's right. The offense just always seems to get more pub. That's right. As, you know, football is many times. Uh, Traffic here. We'll go to our top. Um, You know, what do we see at the top of the Mountain West? That's coming up. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center updates coming up here in uh, just a little bit. We'll take another look at traffic in a little while as well. All right, um, Mountain West Power Rankings. We've done the bottom. Uh, let's do. I, I think you're saying top four. Let's let's do top four here. I think you and I are both in agreement. Number one, Air Force. Air Force. Yeah, I was surprised. By the way, I was looking at uh, there. There's there are a few top twenty-five rankings I've seen that does not have Air Force in their top twenty-five. What? Yeah, I know. And they're still undefeated. Yeah. Come on. You know, granted, there are a lot of people that are um, the AP has at 19. Yeah, there are there are people who are more concerned with the power rank, uh, you know, power conference teams that they could care less about the Air Forces. And by the way, shout out to Army, uh, soon to be a, a football only member of the American American as announced today. All right. So we're, we're both a believer in Air Force at number one. Who do you have at two? UNLV. OK. Uh, and they've got Fresno State who I feel like has kind of quieted here uh, over over the last couple of weeks. I have UNLV at two as well. Uh, they have uh, offensively the most consistent team in the conference. Yes. Offensively. Love what um, Barry Odom has done there. Shevin uh, Cordero, by the way, referenced uh, Mayava uh, and, and what he's done. He forgot that he went to, uh, I think it was Kaimuki for a little bit, but mm. uh, did did reference him when talking about quarterbacks from Hawaii today. Three. Wyoming. Okay. Um, I still hold their win over Fresno. Uh, just be, just because that's significant. Mm-hmm. And um, in the, the greater scheme of things, I think that's probably a toss-up depending on which team is at home. But uh, I am still honoring their victory over Fresno. 
Yeah, I I think Wyoming's okay, um, but they like UNLV. I think find themselves in a very intriguing game coming up this weekend. Wyoming's at Boise State. There we go. Uh, Boise State is a favorite in that game, a five point favorite. By the way, Fresno State's seven and a half point favorite at UNLV. So those two games, I think, do hold some significance here uh, this weekend. I'm gonna assume you have Boise at four. Or you have Fresno at four. I've got Fresno at four. Okay. I, I have Boise at four. Wow, um, you've got Fresno at I've got Fresno at five. Wow. Okay. Boise is just so enigmatic. Um, good word. I, I think when they are really good, I think they are really good. And I think they can, um, you know, I, I think they can beat anybody in this conference. So, yeah, I've, I've got Boise there at, at, at four, and Fresno's just quieted down to me. I, I go back to, you know, Keen was hurt, and I think when Keen got hurt, that knocked Fresno down a tad for me. But, you know, I, I think that also tells us that the Mountain West is still kind of, kind of top-heavy. San Jose State, I have at six. And, you know, it's not common to see a three-and-five team right there in the middle of the conference, but... Um, they're playing some of their best football right now and be careful for San Jose State down the stretch because I, I look at what they have remaining, Fresno, San Diego State, UNLV, and they continue on this roll. They've scored 94 points in two games. Um, they could beat Fresno at home. Mm. They could win at UNLV. I don't I don't put it past them. Their record is in, incredibly deceiving. Where do you have um San Jose State, by the way? I've got them at seven. Okay. Colorado State, I have at six. That's that's another one. I mean, I think yep. you could start splitting hairs between Colorado State and, and San Jose State. I think that makes it kind of fun. Yep. That makes a lot of these games really down the stretch so interesting. Um right now your conference championship game is Air Force and UNLV. Which to me I think would be the most intriguing matchup that the Mountain West could put together. Mm-hmm. I would love to watch that game. Oh, absolutely. And when you when you consider different uh, styles of play, uh, you would get two very different styles of football. By the way, conference champion goes to the L.A. Bowl, which Ooh. used to be the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl uh, presented by Stiefel. It's now the L.A. Bowl hosted by Gronk. Gronk. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, that's, that's weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not a big fan. Really? No. Would you rather have Kimmel? Yes. Okay. Okay. Even though Kimmel's got really very few ties to college football? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Gronk, I, it, it doesn't – Jimmy Kimmel feels a little bit more serious. True. Um, Gronk is too comical. I don't I – don't, no. Most of the projections, notice, notably – has Wyoming going to that game? Interesting. There, there are quite a few people who think Wyoming will represent the Mountain West at the top bowl, and a lot of people are throwing UCLA's name in there. Whoa. Imagine that. Uh, Sports Center, traffic coming up. It's off the bench Johnny ESPN Honolulu. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Coming up, uh, one of the big stories in college football, Michigan, and somehow a low-level staffer who is getting uh, way more money in publicity than about the $50,000 he makes annually. Uh, What could this potentially mean for Michigan and maybe even for the sport? And Hunter, have you changed your mind about this as uh, photos and ticket records 
and all those things have been coming out over the last couple of days. That coming up here in just a little while. Um, I have been salivating for the opportunity to read this text message that came in here um, in the last few moments. So please don't hold please don't hold me back. The floor is yours, my friend. Thank you. Texter from the two five five. I'm going to turn my headset down just a little bit. Okay. Sorry, did I no, did I yell? No, you're good. Okay, okay. Go for it. This is the problem with having one sports radio station, and that station is locked in financially with the one major sports program in the state. I've seen it for years. An unwillingness to be too critical, attempting to manufacture positive where really none exists for this football program. The team is bad as little D1 talent and coaches who are not motivators. It's senseless to justify not being as bad as the worst teams in the conference and country. The reality is we are. Reality check. All right. Let's, uh, let's hit this first one here. And I can uh, let me put my management hat on here as as I go through this. First off, um, one thing that we do, and and maybe some people don't understand, like what we do. Our job is not to parrot the fan, right? And I realize there are fans who are frustrated. I realize there are fans that are disappointed. I'm frustrated. Yes. Not, you know, and, um, you know, we give the platform for that fan to let their frustration be voiced. Why do you think we have a program called the Fans Voice after every University of Hawaii football game? And why do you think that we have four, count them, four local shows that are on the air Monday through Friday? Because... It gives that opportunity. Now, while we understand the frustration, and we feel some of the frustration sometimes, it is, it's not one of those things where if we don't parrot the frustrated fan who goes kind of overboard and says whatever they want to do on social media and kind of, you know, just, you know, it's kind of on the extreme end. If, if we don't, this is what happens. We don't say what... The emotional fan says, so the emotional fan feels like, oh, you're not being honest with us. No, we take the emotion out of it. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you have you have your Hawaii football fandom on. Well, not fandom. I'm sorry. Former player hat on. Yep. Um, so I, you it's can't glu- take that away. It's glued on. Yeah, I can't you, take it off. You, you can't take that away. And, and no one's asking you to take it away. I don't have that. My job is not to be the guy that reacts on emotion. My job, as I have said earlier, is to react based on what my eyes tell me, what numbers tell me. I am at every home game uh, because, you know, we work. And I'm at I, – I'm not at every road game, but I watch every road game. Why? Because, you know, we work. That's right. Um, so I'm not going to allow – and I, I'm not going to speak for others, but I think my management hat will come on here. I'm not going to allow myself to – Fall in the trap of, okay, these are losses, so I'm going to get as emotionally and visibly upset as some fans are because that, honestly, that's not what I'm here to do. I am here just like every other person who works here is, here comes management hat, to find perspective and give answers to questions that people have not to get in here and whine and cry. You know, there is no 
You can't be critical. You can. You can also be responsible. And you know what I notice, Hunter? There are a lot of people who are on social media. There are a lot of people, and I just heard some of this you know, before we got on the air, and I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want to give um, voice to those who are irresponsible. But I have heard of some of the irresponsible and frankly dangerous things that are put out there. Yeah. And this is why we do what we do. Perspective, there is no sh- – there, there is no – you know, there is no lack of honesty here. It is our opinion. It is also our job to not just throw emotion and opinion out there without giving some semblance of fact and research. And trust me, we do fact and research better than anybody. With maybe the exception of our friend Jackson. <laughs> um, our guy who goes to games and takes notes on his iPhone, who I met, by the way, yeah. at the UH Men's Basketball Banquet. And he's a super cool guy. met him and his son, and he showed me his notes. His notes. And I took a photo of it, and I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, that, was, that, was the best moment, that was the best moment of the banquet. I got to meet one of our listeners, and it was the coolest thing ever. Um, so I hope. You know, for for all the people, it's like, okay, I get you're upset. I get it. Yep. And you're totally entitled to that. And make no mistake, we are upset too. Uh huh. We we're upset too, Josh. Yep. I'm I'm livid. the The last uh, couple of days, anytime people wanted to talk UH football with me, I just got really quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just got really quiet because. It, it, it sucks right now. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And, but, but the, the cool thing is we have games in front of us. Uh Uh-huh. There are opportunities to improve on what you're doing, or there's unfortunately opportunities to fail. And it's really up to that team, everybody around that team to make that determination on where they want to be. And none of those, speaking of determination, none of those games have been determined yet. That's why you go out and play. Mm-hmm. I'll say this too, to the, to the back end of that text, which says, It's senseless to, not just, to justify not being as bad as the worst teams in the conference and country. Let me fact check this individual. Did we not just say uh, about 40 minutes ago? maybe 35, maybe 38, time stamp me, that Hawaii is one of the worst teams in the Mountain West? Yeah. Did we not say that? Hawaii is one of the bottom three teams in the Mountain West. Fact. Okay? That That's not – that. there's an opinion on that based on facts. And you could split hairs on placement. Yes. But, but in the bottom three, we, we, we are certainly there. Right. And – the job of mine and others. Okay, why is that? We broke down offense, defense, special teams, expectations, all of that. So you may have your idea of, oh, you, you can't justify. I, we just justified that for you. If it's not to your liking because I have them at 10 and you have them at 12, then cool. Um, 
But just because I have them at 10 by splitting hairs doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're, you know, not willing to be critical. Or saying that they're one of the best teams in the conference. Right. Listen. We're not. That's all I'm saying. Listen. That's all I ask. Is the team right now bad? Yes. Uh, is, is there a struggle? Yes. Was Saturday hard to watch? Yes. Um, you're not going to hear... You're you're not going to hear much else that goes anywhere upward from there, all right? And that's truth. Yep. I don't know what you want more from what what you want more from us to do outside of giving you truth based on opinion, based on research, based on knowledge of the team. That's not sugarcoating anything. That's called using our eyes and our knowledge. And like I said. And I will, again, management hat, pride hat, too. Yeah. We do it better than anybody. Period. Full stop. No one's going to convince me otherwise. Texter from the 343. Hunter, thanks for being honest. (laughs) Um. And, and that's I one don't thing. like saying that stuff. I don't like saying that we're one of the worst teams in the conference. I don't like the fact that our record shows two and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's where we're at. Yeah. And I would love if it would light a fire under this team and we right the ship in some in some ways. That's going to be the thing that I think – Buried in the headlines of Chevin Cordero coming back and and all that stuff, that's the thing that I I think is buried that I think will be one of the biggest headlines for me is the New Mexico State loss was rough. Um, There's no getting around that, absolutely. But can you use that to light the fire that is needed to get beyond it. Um, I'm willing to believe, and I know you went to practice the other day. Yep. I'm willing to believe, based on some of, of what's come out from practice, that um, that is certainly on the mind of that football team, that fire, finding that passion, yep. reigniting that. Uh, you know, I think what you and I are talking about is, frankly, no different than what I think the team is feeling. You know, and I, I've, 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 I'm done with the wins and losses conversation. Like I think I said last week, I want to see the team build. I want to see the team grow. I want to see the team show that it's making strides because I did not look at this team as a team that was going to win like eight games. I was looking at this team coming in, considering that the rebuild is continuing. And frankly, Last week was a step maybe two back. Hmm. But um, there are opportunities, like you said, games that have not been played yet. There are opportunities to 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 get back into that. Show that you can finish the year late October into, into the end of November and show that that ability to build and grow and, and, and you know, push your way into where you want to be going into next year is attainable. And achievable. And those wins don't need to be in the win-loss column. They need to be what we see on the field. They need to be what we see in the details. 
you know? Hmm. And um, you know, that's why you won't hear me talk about, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. You won't hear me talk about wins and losses anymore because that's not the story. It, it is to a small degree because that's what everybody judges by. But for me, the story is where is this program going? And these next five games yeah. will tell everything that we need to know about where this program is going. A um, couple of texts here from the 497. Um, record doesn't bother. It is the poor play of the team that concerns me. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one more here. This is from the 228. Why is everyone upset? Based on the new offense, the predictions weren't positive at the beginning of the season anyway. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, going based off of expectations. That's right. Dave Reardon had them at three and five at this point of the season. He is only one off. Didn't Dave predict a bowl game? Do you remember that? I thought he did. Uh, no, I think it was he had a range. I think yeah. he had this, his high end of the range, I think was at eight games, I think is what it was. And then there was a low end of the range, and I don't remember where the low end of the range was. It's That was, you know, August. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a couple of months removed from that. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of text that reminds me of what we've been kind of saying all along. Like, you know, I the fandom says... I don't want my team to, to ever lose a game. That's right. And every time a team loses a game, it's disappointing and I'm upset and I'm frustrated. And I can't take away that fandom. That's, that, that's fine. But the fandom at some point has to fall back into the line of expectation. And whether what you're saying and what your fandom is feeling is realistic um, you know, to, to the mark of the moment. That's right. And there are a lot of things I see on social media that are not reflective of the mark of the moment when people kind of showcase how they feel about the program. And that, to me, is is unfortunate. And to circle back to the first hour, just briefly before we get to this break. Yeah. To describe the mark of the moment right now, you can't describe it without going back and observing the last couple of years from a bird's eye view. Yes. Because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that at the outset. It's all connected. If you look at the players that we would have had in our starting lineup, if you look at how we would have been positioned in the Mountain West this year had those guys stayed, um, the, again, I, I don't ever want to play the, the what-if game, but it is important to keep that all in mind that Hawaii – is always at its best whenever our seniors are its strongest unit. Mm-hmm. And it's led by a core group of of older um, student-athletes that can keep everybody accountable. Um, you, you go back throughout the, the history of our best teams, they all had that in common. When we don't have that to offer and we're a young team under a new coach – uh, trying to right the ship on a very messy rebuild, this is what's going to happen, unfortunately. We right. might catch lightning in a bottle week to week, you know, year to year, but it, it needs time. Yep. It needs time to rebuild because since McMackin, again, bird's eye view, 
since McMacken left, we have begun this vicious cycle of every four years bringing in a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new scheme, new marketing scheme, new blah, 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 blah. How are you going to build anything longstanding and successful if you tear it down every four years? Preach. How? Look at any school throughout the entire country, mid-major or power five. They keep it within the family. Mr. Angelis, if you're listening, we must keep it in the family. That 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 is how it must be done. I I I, I say that very fervently because th- this can single-handedly be be brought back to a mistake that was made two and a half years ago. Let's uh, let's carry on this conversation in a bit. We got to hit this break. Um, I want to get to to legacy thoughts on programs as well. I see you guys on the phone. Stay right there. We'll get to you coming up. Don't forget about our pigskin picks at ESPNHonolulu.com. You can win weekly prizes. A thousand bucks is the grand prize. It's brought to you by M Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Traffic here off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. Final words coming up in a little bit. The Timmy Chang Show is on the way. 27 minutes from right now uh, at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. Uh, we got a lot of texts to get to. I want to get to, like, legacy feelings on opposing teams coming up in just a little bit. Uh, but I did want to read this text. Uh, text from the 343. Okay, Packer fan, do you want a prize for your management hat? Uh, yes, and I also want the pay raise that goes with it. Oh, yeah. For those that know where that where that lies, you know, <laughs> took you a little while to realize where that was going, didn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> from the two five six, the loss of Logan Taylor to injury was huge. He is the unquestionable leader of this team. Hawaii would be a different team if they had Taylor and Cam Stone on defense. Well, Cam Stone is playing on defense. Still and, there. Yeah, Taylor's been out. Um, I applaud Logan Taylor for you know. Even though he's been hurt, I applaud him being the vocal leader that he has been. Um, he's there at every practice. Yes. He 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 walks it um, as being someone who, who cares about his team. He walks it every single day. Still breaks him down before every game, too. Yeah. I, I would, if we're talking about defense, I would say that as much as we hyped, or maybe I hyped, I, I don't know, um how much this defense seemed to be, you know, improved with the addition of Stone, that maybe the secondary would be the best Hawaii's had in a while. You know, Taylor in in, in the middle, I think we just kind of questioned what the pass rush would be. Haven't seen much of it. But that this would be Hawaii's, one of Hawaii's better defenses in a while. And I think fairly, that has kind of, if there's anything that's underachieved, I think it's been that. Yes. Um, You know, and and that that can be hard because Hawaii's offense can put up a bunch of yards. You can put up points, um, but you know when when the defense kind of falls under what you're kind of expecting it to be, that can uh, that can be really tough. I want to um, talk about the legacy legacy feelings on opponents and why I think that kind of contributes to where we're at. I don't blame fans 
when they feel like, okay, Hawaii loses a game, especially to a team that for a long time has been, you know, bottom barrel, um, a bottom barrel team that they kind of feel like, all right, well, this is really disappointing. This is, you know, I'm distraught over it, you know, things like that. Um, and I take UNLV in New Mexico specifically because those two teams have been uh, – the legacy opinion on those teams have been that they are not very good. Um, and so, you know, Hawaii has struggled against UNLV recently. That's that's a fact. Um, you know, this is the best UNLV team we've seen in quite some time. That's a fact. Um, this is the best New Mexico team we've seen in quite a few years. That's a fact. Yep. But I think there's an automatic feeling that you lose to New Mexico, boy, things have gone off the rails. That, that's the automatic feeling because you're so used to, you know, New Mexico's not very good. They're always at the bottom, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, like I said, I think in the first hour, I warned people, New Mexico is going to be better than they've been in years. And that... Danny Gonzalez is getting him on the right track, and they've got a QB and, and been warning people about that. And, well, look, we saw a, a New Mexico team that looked as good as it is in, in quite some time. They looked good against San Jose, San Jose State, except for the second half in which they blew a lead. But there were positives that, San Jose, that, that New Mexico had in that game. Now, had they won that game, I think people would probably have looked differently at the Hawaii game. UNLV. For the money that has had going into the program, UNLV has far underachieved for years. They made the hire for Marcus Arroyo. Things got a little bit better. They still kind of underachieved. They're one of the top teams in the conference right now. And and I think people still are like, oh, but we lost to UNLV. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it was extremely disappointing. And how could that happen? I test. New Mexico. I test. Like, like I said, I don't, I don't blame people that you know their their tunnel vision is focused solely on Hawaii. And if you and if you lose a game, whether it's to a legacy bad team, um, you know, or anybody else, it's like, oh, what is wrong? Yeah. Also, Air Force is historically good this year. Uh huh. Historically good. Yeah. Keep that in mind. If you're down the road. Yeah, I'm just putting that into perspective where some of these teams that are good now didn't used to always be that good. Right, right. Air Force was almost a circle on our schedule Mm -hmm. whenever we would play them. Uh, We had a great win there in uh, the Rolo era. Went up there and beat them in double overtime. I remember that one. Um, And uh, I I bring that into perspective where some of the old – stories of uh what what we could expect from teams has certainly shifted mm-hmm. almost completely turned uh turned the other direction yeah so that's i and that's kind of where i come from it's like hey you know i i realize losing to unlv given that that's been the the new rivalry here is not very fun but also look at where unlv has gone with the money they've gotten, they get to play Allegiant. You've got the Fertitta brothers that are putting in, you know, so much into that program. Look at that. Look at New Mexico now starting to get four-star recruits 
and you know pumping new life into that program. Look at that, and then look at the results on the field, and don't say, "Oh, New Mexico, awful. How could we lose?" Don't say UNLV, awful. How could we lose? Don't, because that's a that's an insult to everybody's intelligence on, um, you know, on on looking at a matchup of a team. Also, I think that's a perfect uh, launching off point. You look at school like New Mexico, certainly school like uh, UNLV. We should look at their success as market provability mm-hmm. that when you invest into your school, when you invest into your football program, you can be successful. Go out of conference, New Mexico State. They're a win away from being bowl eligible already. And they need seven wins because they play a 13-game schedule. They can't be bowl eligible at six. There we go. They've you know, they've bought into themselves. They've joined Conference USA. They hired a coach in Jerry Kill who had coached in a, in a Power 5 program before. And look at what they're doing. Look at, look at what they're growing. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win the Conference USA, but they're looking to go to, to what, back-to-back bowls. And, you know, there are people who look at playing New Mexico State. Oh, we barely beat them. If you can say you beat a bowl team. That's right. I mean, you'll 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 take that notch in, in your cap and say, hey, we beat a team that went to a bowl game. I'll take that. Um whew, the 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 text messages are insane. But I think, you know, that that's going back to earlier. Look, I'm going to be protective of my guys. I'm going to be protective of you as just someone who does this for a living. I'm going to, I'm going to be protective of, of you know, our guys in the midday and our guys in the morning because, yep. um, you know, any any of these notions that, oh, you know, we don't, you know, we're not going to call it out for what it is. Yeah, we will. But we're also going to be responsible. You know, we're not going to spout off um, wildly and uncontrollably and without fact and knowledge and perspective and that's why and you know yeah, what? i get i i got a little emotional over that earlier yep. because people don't tend to understand that and, and probably don't care but that's our that's our job and okay let's let's say that we don't speak on behalf of university of hawaii which we we are mutually exclusive but i don't yeah like we're, we're, we're separated yeah um we are not mutually exclusive is what I'm, i meant to say right right um Hawaii is too small of a place, Josh, Mm -hmm. that if all we throw out there as media members is hate and criticism and just blah. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. How would that bode well for the future athletes of Hawaii? How would that bode well for the community to think about the, the closest thing we have to a professional sport over here? Um, how, how does that generate any sort of positivity or um, glass half fullness when, when, when you look at the greater uh, landscape of mm-hmm. sports out here? Like that, that is the responsibility I believe that you're actually referring to. Yeah, I, I'm, I, you, you know me. I've said before, I'm not a glass half full. I'm not a glass half empty. I'm, there's, a, there's a half a glass of water in the cup. Um, I try to take my emotions out of it, um, but I'll give one more example. I don't, I don't, didn't mean to get back into this, but there are things that 
irk the bleep out of me. You know what grinds my gears? <laughs> okay, Mad Dog. Um, go ahead and retire, by the way, Mad Dog. Don't play that into a stunt where you now have to wear a Diamondbacks bikini in public. That's weak. That was, that was going to be my final words. Anyway, <laughs> um, to take frustration and turn it into even worse of a negative. Like, you know, we, we see the, the text messages that come into our Zephyr Insurance text line. You know, the worst ones I've seen are not even those with emotion, are not even those of, like, you know, calling for changes or, or oh, we're so bad. How bad are we? Hmm. There's one I've seen several times. Do you think X and Y player are going to go into the transfer portal? Just imagine that for a second. You've got it. I'm not going to name the players, but you've got two individuals who have had very solid years that have been the standout individuals of this team that have risen through what has been some of the, the tough times this year has had. And your thought is, your question, your, your, the thing that you're actually thinking of, are these two going to enter the transfer portal? Just imagine the kind of thinking that it takes to think that if you don't have success, and I, and I get it, the transfer portal is rampant, I understand, but it's like you think, oh, uh, if you lose, then all of a sudden your best players are going to leave you. No, that's not true. Again, I'm not going to name the players, but who's to say that losing means they're, they're not happy to be here and don't want to be here? And it's almost like you're wishing it into existence when you say it that those players should leave because you're not winning. So they should enter the transfer portal and get out of here. But you're, you're kind of putting that out there. Like, why? That's right. In, enjoy their success. Enjoy their individual accomplishments because they have been legitimately good. And don't start throwing junk out there like, are they going to enter the transfer portal? Stop. And we don't have to expect the worst. No. No. It, it's, it's nonsense. It's, it's flat nonsense. Hey, ready for something happy? Yes. Man, that was a real hard pivot to we the gotta right. We got to give away some tickets. Oh, uh, not yet. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not, not after that rant. Okay. I'm going to save that for a few minutes. Uh, my, my hard right pivot was to our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. Brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, Victor Webbinyama. Currently sitting on a bench. Uh, Dallas and San Antonio tied at 100, 8.51 to go in the fourth quarter. This game is on ESPN television. And if you're wondering, Wemby hasn't really done a lot. Um, in fact, he spent most of this game sitting. I don't know if this is your way of getting around load, load management, uh, but Victor Wembenyama has played all of, what, 16 minutes, I think it is. Um, 16 minutes. Six points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. He is dealing with foul trouble. He's got five, um, but he's also got four turnovers. But it's a 100-100 game, 8.23 to go in the fourth quarter. Other notable score today from the NBA, Boston over New York, 108-104. And uh, Blazers, Clippers at the half, Clippers up 20 67 47. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. Final words in a moment off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. All right. Timmy Chang show. Seven minutes and change away from Ruby Tuesday in Moana Lua. Final words. Uh, Hunter Hughes, you're up first. 
Thank you, partner. Uh, I'm going to begin by uh, talking about the NFL just for a minute. Okay. I saw earlier today that there are already, in the first seven games, seven weeks of the NFL season, there's been over 13 million dollars of fines mm-hmm. given to the players. Mm-hmm. The, the most of which actually coming from touchdown celebrations. <laughs> so it, I wanted my final words to be just a, a brief discussion on the NFL needing to cool off a little bit, to chill out. Are you saying they need to shake it off? I'm – oh, very, very good. Yes. Very good. Yes, thank you. Um, too bad did, – did, Liz, did you hear that one? Okay, she did. Um, she, she's applauding. I – have felt as a former player that there there are there are few things tougher than running through another grown man trying to tackle you okay if if you score a touchdown not only is that a tremendous feat of masculine accomplishment okay you should be able to celebrate in just about any way that you want to okay uh you within reason of course okay but stefan diggs going over to the crowd and grabbing a beverage from a fan and then yeah. drinking it i don't have any problem with that i honestly don't um jumping up and dunking on the goalpost i don't have a problem with that either if you're big enough to go up and grab that thing do it um i know may- maybe not everyone would agree with me there but the NFL needs to dial it back a little bit on this restrictiveness or we're going to lose a very important and beautiful part of the game, which is the joy. I thought you were going to say the, the beautiful part of the game was Taylor Swift. Uh, um, well, I, I get there's, there's like a safety concern there. Like you're interacting with fans. The goalpost is a piece of equipment. I, I get it, but I do also agree with you that you know it can be a little egregious i'll also say um remember the four game suspension handed down i think it was kareem jackson the denver broncos player yeah that did get brought down to two good um now that like some of those hits were just rough okay they were they were some of the fines i understand some of them i don't um wear the right socks you won't get fined i'm being sarcastic yeah um yeah, the the NFL could be a little bit better there. They're very very um, tight pantsed on um, on some of that stuff. My so final, much they have a wedgie. Uh, yeah, I I I didn't want to give that visual, but um, <laughs> you know, just just imagine. No, don't imagine. Okay. Um, final, my final words: Retire, Mad Dog. Retire. You said on your radio show you're going to retire if the Diamondbacks win and go to the World Series. They did. And now you're backtracking and saying you worked out something with Howard Stern where instead of retiring, you're going to wear a Diamondbacks bikini in public. I'd rather you retire than have to see a photo show up on X of you wearing a Diamondbacks bikini in public. You've been in this game too long. You played a bit. The bit failed. Go. Please go. Um, as we get ready for the Timmy Chang show, let's give away two tickets to uh, Hawaii football. Caller number three at 808-296-1420 is going to get those tickets. We want you to check out the game against uh, San Jose State on uh, Saturday at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. And while we get caller number three, we bring you the Timmy Chang show. That's coming up next.